This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Gum, gum, gum. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blanton. So glad to have joined you once again. We're back. Ain't that right, uh, Bruce? 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 Are you there? Bruce? We are back. Front. Back. (laughs) Center. We're there. The clones attack. Front back. Uh, One Sith, two Sith, red Sith. We're being weird, but that's because I've forgotten how to podcast. Basically. Right? How do you podcast, Bruce? Am I supposed to talk into this thing? Is this? I don't know what I'm doing. Is this thing on? Uh, Hello? Uh, no, uh, I got married. <laughs> That's the thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> he got married and everything just went away. <laughs> a whole, I got married and the whole world went to hell. It's my he fault. got married <laughs> and the show's going to end now. This is yeah. the last episode. <laughs> no, I thought you were going to say I got married and then the entire world broke into a pandemic. <laughs> well, that, yes, that too. <laughs> no, no. We were talking. The world would end when you got married. We were talking. I actually did. A, we did a whole pre-show show. Rogue Transmissions episode for uh, all of you fine supporters on Patreon, which you can hear at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report, plug, plug. But um, the, basically just kind of walking through this whole crazy adventure of getting married in the middle of uh, social distancing in a lockdown where you're not allowed to have more than 10 people at your wedding and they have to be six feet apart and is craziness. Uh, but there was a Star Wars element to my wedding day. <laughs> and you'll just have to tune in to, to find out. But it was, um, it was a whole thing, Bruce. But it's good to be back. I'm- I'm sorry. I, I'm just laughing because I just imagine you getting married six feet apart from your bride and they're like, don't kiss the bride. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> no, we're going down together. If we go down, we're listen in sickness and in health. It's a, that's what the thing says. So uh, it's never been quite so little, but it is. It's a crazy yeah. time to be alive, a crazy time to, you know, for a lot of you guys, uh, for most of us stuck at home. And they're under this whole social distancing uh, thing. But like, you know, I'm not, I'm back recording on the, you know, I, I would be in, I would have been in, in Italy. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That, that's that country on my honeymoon. Um, but, uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad we've, we've settled down into the apartment and we're stuck here to listen. When they say you get married, you're stuck together. We are now stuck together in our tiny apartment, quarantined, not going to work. <laughs> It's <laughs> just, just like we're forcing the adjustment just straight on. But listen, she helped me. We, the, I'm broadcasting live from the, uh, I don't know, the Sumter bunker, uh, the forced moon of Sumter, South Carolina. The new um, studio. Uh, but yeah, no, this is uh, uh, one of the, uh, we can, we have a two bedroom apartment, but one of the bedrooms is a studio office um, space now. And I love it. All my Funko Pops are here. A bunch of the Star Wars books are here. It's a great time. You should keep a sleeping bag in there in case she kicks you out of the bedroom some night. I listen. I'm I'm not saying preparations have been made, but uh, you know, just in case, just in case I get <laughs> you know 
Shout out to the doghouse. Um, but yeah, man, uh, how about you? How's it? How's life been going? Um, I know we we normally do like Boba's bounty and stuff at the end of the show, but like, uh, how's your Star Wars fandom been in quarantine? You've been like watching all the movies or Clone Wars. You had a lot of extra time on your hand. Uh, kind of. Yes, sort of. I've watched. I've watched some of the movies. Okay. Not like all of them, but I'll turn one on for a little while, having the background or whatever. But here's the funny thing is I I now own mm. as of the last couple of weeks The Rise of Skywalker, but have yet to watch it. Wait, what? I have yet to watch it because it's like I want to sit down and really watch it mm. like on my movie theater screen whatever. And yeah. There's always something going on every night. I mean, I know we're home, but it's like, it just seems like there's like, you know, oh, my wife wants to watch Ozark because we're watching that together. It's like, okay, we'll go yeah. watch that or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the kids have said, what? It's always something. And, but then my wife said, you know, let's watch it this weekend. So hopefully this weekend we there will watch it. But I've watched the special features. I just haven't watched the movie because I just want to like watch it all the I, yeah, way I, through, no interruption. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, um, I do have not actually sat down and watched the movie. You know what? That's a lie. I bought it digitally on YouTube so that I could broadcast the movie from an undisclosed secure military location (laughs) where I watched it. I mean, I wasn't like watching, watching it, but I did actually play it at work on on a particularly slow midnight shift. Um, a few weeks yeah. ago, but that that was right when That's it came good. out on digital. Uh, but I have since sat down and watched all the bonus features except that weird Target one. Um, yeah, I haven't I, seen that one either. But I actually, well, I say it until. The two days ago, I said, uh, it was on YouTube. So of course I watched it because that's what they do. They put these things on YouTube. But you know what? Let's christen it. Let's let's not just throw the whole freaking show f- format out the window. I've I've already goofed things. Out. Let's do this thing in the news, uh, and 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 news and news. <laughs> how, 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 does, how does this work? Data brought to us by the Gotham spies. You can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. I'm not. I'm not editing that at all. I'm just leaving that awkwardness. I have forgotten how to podcast. Hey, uh, Rise of Skywalker's out on home video, both the digital and the um, the actual uh, physical media is now out. Uh, Blu-ray. Have you have you seen? What are you giggling about I'm, over there? I'm just <laughs> laughing at myself, man. Because here's the thing. I every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, I always wait for the physical mm. copies to come out. With the digital code, now, which is always like yeah. two weeks after the digital release. Yes. And I'm like, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. But then it was like, uh huh. we were getting closer to that time where it was coming out physical. And I was just like, well, I'm not really supposed to go out. I mean, I know I could go to the store and I know I could. And I went on Amazon. I was going to order it. So it would be here like April 2nd, 3rd or something. Like, and I didn't want to wait. So I bought the digital copy. <laughs> I don't own the physical copy. This is the first time I've only done the digital only, but I probably will get the physical mm. copy eventually. It's so crazy. But you I say don't that. know why I would, but I well, just feel like I have to. Well, same. I, um, I literally, that's what I did. I well, cause I wanted it early and I was bored at work on a midnight shift. And I was like, wait, you know what just came out today? <laughs> <laughs> the digital copy so i just bought it on youtube and i was like this is dumb i'm gonna want the blu-ray but you know i don't think i do i've watched it um i've watched i i, I played it on youtube looked great uh and then it, the um you can pull it up on movies anywhere and watch the bonus features um so i watched all the bonus features on on well the google play store 
they had them listed there. So I watched all the bonus features, including the feature length documentary, which is called the uh, Skywalker legacy in keeping with what I would say are, have been three incredible making of documentaries for the uh, three Skywalker uh, Disney era films. Like I loved the force awakens documentary. I absolutely loved the last Jedi documentary. I think it's bold. I think hot take. I don't know that it it won't be cherished in the same way, but I think there are elements of the last Jedi that we're going to look back on in the way that we look back on empire strikes back. I think there are things, I agree. There are things about that movie that I think really went in a bold direction that may not work in the context of, you know, some original trilogy and, and Luke Skywalker fans, but that I think we, because of that, maybe some of those, that same fan base has turned a, a blind eye to some of the, you know, you and I are, are somewhat last Jedi apologists at this point. Like, yes. which is funny to say, cause like I have plenty of criticisms of the film, but I felt, feel like the fact that I don't call Ryan Johnson, hashtag Ryan Johnson. I therefore am an apologist for this movie. There's plenty of problems with it uh, that I'll talk all day about, but, um, I love, well, there's pr- plenty of problems with the rise of Skywalker. Too, oh, sure. I still love it. I do. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, but what these documents, there's problems with the new hope. Well, uh, no, it's a flawless film. How dare you, sir? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, come on. Luke, who's ne- who's not a pilot, is one of the main pilots they choose chose to attack. Listen, the Death he used to Star. bullseye womp rats well, in his T sixteen back home. I know. Sir. But look at the award ceremony. How many pilots were just hanging out on base? <laughs> They're like, <laughs> hey, I flew out. Hey, I flew. Oh, I, you know, I have <laughs> trained and They're just. There. I love how I, there's some pilot like uh, Joe Skywalker or something who is just sitting there at the awards ceremony like, I have 1,300 combat hours. <laughs> this Luke guy. How dare they not send me on that? No, but... Um, it just shows up out the... Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like... I like how these documentaries... Have, oh, I lost you for a second. Sorry, man. Uh, yeah. Oh. Here, I'm going to, I'll jump to. Losing me? Uh, yeah, I'll jump to audio. I've, I'd lost you for just a second there. I'm going to jump to audio too. There oh, we go. It's much better. Oh, there we go. Um, but yeah, so what I was, these documentaries um, have had a, I would say, refreshingly honest take at the look at the creative process for making a, these, these films. Like the Last Jedi documentary had a very brutal look at why Mark Hamill disagreed with a lot of the choices Ryan was making. And him struggling with, with that, and I was shocked that was in the documentary. Um, I have not watched the feature length documentary of the Rise of Skywalker yet. I watched all the other oh, things, but I haven't so, watched the feature length. So what the what? So I'll give you the sort of TLDR. It, it has that same honest look, and you really get a sense of gravity of what J.J. Abrams is attempting to do here with the film. And I, I appreciate that you, you can hear literally his voice kind of trembling as he's a little nervous. I, I actually, I, I saved a clip. Let's take a listen right here. Today is day one of episode nine, and we're starting uh, on the Falcon, which is uh, incredibly surreal to be back. I never in a million years, never thought I'd be back on the set. I'm so excited. It's not remotely what I'm sure it was like for the legacy actors to come back uh, at all, but it is a strange thing to return to a place that you have fond memories and feel like you got to do something very special and sort of dodged a crazy bullet and was like, oh, I did it. And now to be back here feels uh, really weird. 
<laughs> feels uh, feels really weird. Uh, I dodged a bullet, and here I am again. <laughs> here I am stepping in front of the firing squad again. He's literally, you can see in his brain of like, why am I doing this? I nailed it. Listen, my legacy is I saved Star Trek and Star Wars. I mean, you're you're a bigger Trek guy than me, but that is kind of his rep in Hollywood, right? Yeah. I brought back yeah. Star Trek, brought back Star Wars. Didn't screw it up that much. There we go. Thumbs up. And so <laughs> That's here I'm about right. <laughs> but like how do you how do you ret- out Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi? That's what this movie was trying to do. Like I make no bones about it in the marketing, in the storytelling. And that's what this documentary really explores is that it has a lot of a surprising amount of the writer. Why did I just blank on his name? Uh, Chris Terrio. Chris mm-hmm. Terrio is all throughout this thing. Um, he's on set. He's talking to the actors, the producers, to JJ. He's the most involved writer I've ever seen in a movie documentary. Um, it's but you you see how involved he was in the process and you listen to the way jj talks about him he really does seem to be the i guess the the puzzle master trying to fit all of these pieces together well yeah but he's also known to have too many pieces and then they have to cut them out of films that's what happened with batman v superman he wrote that and they took a lot of that out. And then you watch the extended edition and it's much better because uh, all the pieces are back in. I really wonder because, and, and this is a tease for later in the episode, but um, the good folks at Abrams books, you know, speaking of, uh, they uh, sent us a copy of the art of rise of Skywalker. And it's amazing because it, it's on a delayed release because it shows showcases a lot of the artwork from, you know, parts of the film that were just never made the, you know, made it past the cutting room floor. Um, even stuff that they shot, they and they talk about it in detail. I'll bring up this whole Oracle thing. I don't know if you've seen some of the pictures or buzz online, Bruce, but it's um it's interesting how how much they were trying to do. And I and I think the Rise of Skywalker, I honestly can't think of a more effective way to wrap up all the loose ends. Like based on the hand that was dealt. And I don't mean that in the last Jedi sucked sense. I mean that we had return of the Jedi and I, this is the first thing that I always thought the second that they announced seven, eight, nine It's like, you know, if the story of star Wars is the story of the rise and fall and redemption of Anakin Skywalker, um, then that story has been completed like right. that so you can't follow through that thread you have to make it bigger but in making it bigger it makes it more convoluted it may, it brings more elements and it does it's not as drilled down um it's not as drilled down i guess if that makes sense yeah i mean now it's like i look at this whole saga as being the skywalker slash palpatine saga yeah and is that's that, really what it is. Does that are you comfortable with that? Does that feel like still is that still like a new pair of clothes you're you're wearing on it? Like it, wait, this is what Star Wars is now? Is it's it's bigger than I thought it was? Or or how how does how do you make that connection? Well, I think because you know, when I always thought of the original trilogy, to me it was more like like almost the Luke Skywalker saga is kind of mm. how I looked at it yeah. when I was younger. And then when George was making the other three, the prequel trilogy, he was like, oh, this is yeah, really the Anakin Skywalker yeah. saga. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so I bought into that. Oh, yeah, it is Anakin's saga. Okay, I got it. Mm. And that's what was in my brain because he said it. 
But now we've kind of moved beyond that because this doesn't have a whole lot to do with Anakin. I mean, this sequel trilogy, the events of this would never have happened if Mm. Anakin didn't exist because Kylo wouldn't exist and all these other things wouldn't exist because of Anakin or or even Palpatine or whatever. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't even know what I'm saying. (laughs) But but what I'm trying to say is I'm comfortable with it because it gets back to what I originally thought from the original trilogy when I was thinking it was Luke Skywalker's saga. It's a Skywalker saga. And I mean, really, if you look at the end of Return of the Jedi, it ends with an open ending because you don't know, okay, what happens to the Skywalker line now? Where where does it go from here? I guess Luke trains Jedi and, and do Skywalkers exist down the mm. road? Do do Han and Leia get together and happy? Like, but this ends it. Like, there are no more Skywalkers. I don't care what Ray calls herself. The bloodline has stopped. It started. Yeah. In a sense, I mean, Shimmy existed before the prequel trilogy, but you know, in a sense, that Skywalker bloodline that Shimmy and the Force created has now ended. Yeah, I it it is, and it. I feel like the each trilogy contains itself pretty well because what the original trilogy became was this um, this sort of epic science fiction fantasy drama that centered around the character of Luke Skywalker and his relationship with, you know, his father and the redemption factor. But even that's not how Star Wars began, right? Right. Um, it's always changed. Well, and, and I struggle with the evolution of Star Wars. So I'm, and I'm, I'm just going to bring this in now because it, it's just far too good of a uh, ammunition to wait for Boba's bounty. I finished the secret history of Star Wars, Bruce. Um, it is a tw- oh. 24 hour audiobook. Uh, wow. So that's what I've been doing in the last two weeks. <laughs> I've read that book and I've reread it like parts of it several times. I, I was so good. I literally bought the physical, I, I spent an audible credit and listened to 24 hours. And then I went and spent $35 for the paperback on Amazon um, just to have for reference because I, I want to be able to access it because it is such a thorough documentation of the evolution of the Star Wars story. I, it's incredible. And what it, it really does break down George's thought process for Star Wars, which when you go to A New Hope, um, and I'm, I'm curious, especially as an, as an OT guy, Bruce, I, when you look at A New Hope, it is the adventure serial. It is the Flash Gordon. It is it is you know Akira Kurosawa mashed up with you know um, westerns smashed up with uh, Flash Gordon's space serials. It's this this popular pop culture. I, I'm, t- I'm trying to. Is this comic? You know, it's it's George Lucas as the comic book kid, as the uh, serial kid. That's what the original Star Wars is. It's this adventure, good triumphs over evil, action-packed space movie. And it's yes. brilliantly done. Uh, but like he, uh, it, when he was drafting Empire, it was in 1979 based on, you know, this secret history of Star Wars really delves into each version of the, the drafts and old interviews across the timeline to piece together kind of like a detective, the evolution of the story. And it, it's in 1979 after Lee Brackett turns in her version of the empire strikes back script that George t- read through it and really 
felt like there was an emotional weight that was missing and that it just felt like same old too much. And he was trying to figure out what he could do. And he that's when he had Luke Skywalker's father figure and he had Darth Vader. And that's when he merged his ideas for those two characters and they became one, thus giving birth to the whole Skywalker the you know the redemption of Darth Vader storyline that that begins an empire, and that I mean and that was George that was that was Aldridge like as much as Empire is a product of incredible writers collaboration with him and with um, Gary Kurtz producing and with the uh, original director um, and and George as a producer in that at the, at the time, it's it's his idea to morph what was a pop serial into this bigger drama. So I think we have the, I guess what I'm trying to bring up and I want to get your thoughts on is I think we have precedent for the star Wars mythology expanding, but I think what we've learned from the Disney era is that expansion does not equal star Wars, whatever that, whatever that concoction is. And that, that undefinable concoction of what, quote unquote feels like star Wars, which is so different for so many different people, but man did rise of Skywalker, I think do an effective job of once again, kind of zooming out a little bit on what we think of as the star Wars story. Do you think it worked? Like, do you, do you see that same expansion? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, and that's the thing I've enjoyed about star Wars over the years. Like you said, I'm an OT guy. That doesn't mean, Oh, I, I love the OT. It's my only favorite thing in the world. It's just the yeah. OT. That's not me. It's just, yeah, I was nine years old when the original star Wars came out. And the difference is that I remember that three years of what I thought star Wars was and what others, and there was no thought of this bigger expanse. Like you're talking about, there yeah. was no bloodline. I mean, Darth Vader was a bad guy. We weren't even sure if we'd see him again. I remember kids walking around. I was in middle school. I remember kids walk, wearing, wearing shirts that say Darth Vader lives, just like we see Ahsoka lives. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was like it was. And I remember like, no, he's probably dead. He's you know, he's out in the middle of space. And nobody's there to pick him up. You know, because the Empire. A lot of us thought the Empire was really just the Death Star, and once it exploded, the Empire was gone. Yeah. You know, you didn't have that like most generations now can sit there and watch like all three of these and like quickly uh, find out that Darth Vader is, is Luke's father. But for us, it was like three years of not even thinking anything like nobody was like, oh, I wonder who uh, Luke's parents really were. There was even no debate. There was no questioning of anything, you know? Yeah. So now you've like, so every time a movie comes out, it changes my perception. I was just watching A New Hope the other day, not the whole thing, just watching parts of it. And I'm just looking at differently because of Solo. You know, now mm. I've seen the backstory of Solo and knowing what that happens, that movie leading into this changes my perspective. After all these years and all the times I've seen that movie, it changes it. And so now Rise of Skywalker, same thing. It changes your perspective even of uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and the whole saga. I mean, again, I'm still wanting episodes 10, 11, and 12, but I feel like mm. you can just keep continuing to build into this more expansive Star Wars story. It's yeah. not just contained to a character, a bloodline, or whatever. It's more expansive than that. Yeah. And and right now, probably Mark Hurlman and a million EU fans have probably are like, we've been telling you this, 
right? And that and I was thinking that too. It's the same thing. There's times I read novels or comics or, or games or whatever, and it changes my perspective. Yes, and and I think I think it's important to recognize. I think there is something sacred, in a way, like some something. I, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I do think there's something extraordinary about the original Star Wars film and what it did um, to culture and, and the way it, you know, that that hero's journey moved a generation in a way that no other film ever had and ever will again. And I think you can recognize that. You can recognize what the original trilogy meant to a generation. And now I say you recognize for, for kids of my generation what the uh, the prequel trilogy meant. Um, and, and so I think... You can preserve the the cultural significance, and and even lift on a pedestal some of these original films. And I actually I, I think that their legacy demands that we do as Star Wars fans. I think anything short of that is a disservice to George Lucas and the films. Having said that, though, I I think that um, that's where if if that's all you do. And you don't recognize this incredible universe that came outside of the mind of George Lucas to explore what other creators are doing with it. I, I, I think you're doing a disservice to the likes of J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or you know Gareth Edwards or you know whoever the authors for the High Republic are. I'm not, it's not it's not always going to be your cup of tea, but I think that, and this is something that. I think I've changed a lot as a Star Wars fan, even in the years of podcasting, where I always kind of, I went into The Force Awakens kind of putting the weight of the original trilogy and the weight of my Star Wars fandom um, on The Force Awakens, expecting it to really having to fit in and live up to the legacy of these films in a way that it just never can. And right. I think I've come to accept that a lot more now, which has made me, I think, more appreciative. It's funny, reading the incredible legacy of George Lucas and what happened with all of the collaboration that it took and the incredible imagination that it took to get this, and, and, and him nearly killing himself in the production of the original trilogy, his passion for getting this story told in the way that he wanted to tell it, like, that blows my mind. But I think that gives me maybe more reverence and appreciation for those who are attempting to continue that legacy in the best way they can now. Yeah. And if you look at all the different drafts of A New Hope and Empire, or any other Star Wars movie, even the prequels, you know, George starts off, but then a lot of it changes. Oh, yeah. And that's the same with the sequel trilogy. Even though you're dealing with different authors, different writers, different creators, they are using elements of George's plan for a sequel trilogy and then they're taking that and it's evolving into something and it starts to look further away from what the original was but George did the same thing with his own scripts they always evolve yeah no and I don't I don't think that's equivalent I think that's it's different in the way that they really did break away from George's vision on the sequel trilogy because he had you know he had his treatments and there's the famous right. I guess what I'm trying to say but. there's there's never been a real master plan and even if there was a it was never followed. Yes. And I, that's, although I, uh, not, I will push back slightly in that. I think that with there's, there's no master plan. I don't think George Lucas's evolving vision is equivalent to the lack of um, cohesion in the Disney trilogy. I think, I think one is a more egregious sin than the other that just Riley's opinion. But I, I, I do see what you're saying where like, 
understand that these stories evolve and, and give them room to evolve. Like, I, I think that, you know, often the limitations on storytelling is what makes a great story. It challenges, um, it challenges the great, you know, I, I, I think that JJ Abrams and Chris Terrio probably had a lot more scrutiny and a lot more edits and rehashes and rewrites um, than George probably did as he was writing and producing the prequels. And I think the pacing and story of Rise of Skywalker show for it. They also like the lack of singular vision also shows, right? But it, it, you just have to take all of those things, I think, into account. Um, and I guess that was my takeaway from this documentary. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot, though. I it mean, is. Yeah. It is. I mean, there's a lot of really cool things that we'll through a link. Uh, StarWars.com did a nice little rundown. But I'd, I'd rather talk about sort of between seeing that documentary and reading this book all in, all at once it really, it, it gets the mind to turning. And it really has like between that, um, the secret history of star Wars and, uh, digging into a lot of the original documentaries and, um, and then even, um, well, you know, I'll save that for Boba's bounty. Uh, remind me. Yeah. Remind me when we get to Boba's bounty, Bruce, for, uh, talk about Chris's project, but we'll get, we'll get there in just one moment. You're listening to the Star Wars Report. Faster, more intense. That's right. Uh, and uh, yeah, we are talking Star Wars. We're back at it, man. I feel like uh, it's happening. It's back. We're back, baby. Uh, you watched the Clone Wars, Bruce. You watching the Clone Wars? Uh, uh. Yes, I am. The Wars of the Clones. <laughs> I only build up to that because I'm starting to feel bad that it's like, like I said, I've I've bought the Rise of Skywalker. I haven't watched the movie or the feature length documentary. I feel like a bad Star Wars fan, but it's only because I'm waiting for the right time. Like mm. I know, in un, being uninterrupted because the whole family's home and stuff. I want <laughs> uninterrupted time, but because Clone Wars is only 23 minutes roughly without the commercials or whatever because we don't have commercials on uh, Disney Plus. Yes, I'm watching it every Friday morning on the treadmill. Oh, nice. I like it. Nice. So we um, we had the Bad Batch arc to kick us off and um, I've got our first few uh, Patreon commentaries up. I'll be catching up on them uh, over the next week or two uh, where I've just do like a little 22-minute commentary on the episode so i've talked about them there but i actually catch me up um maybe not on bad batch but on on this arc so far this is the famous ahsoka walkabout arc as she encounters trace and rafa who have no love for the jedi actually let's be honest it's mostly uh rafa who doesn't have any love for the jedi uh but it's this really it's this kind of quaint now what episodes about Ahsoka after being kicked out of the Jedi order. Um, thumbs up so far, thumbs down. <laughs> uh, I don't know what fan reaction has been that much. I haven't been reading that online. I yeah. just know from a few people that I know like yourself based mm. on a text that you sent me. <laughs> uh, but for me, it's a thumbs up. I really do enjoy this arc a mm. lot. Yeah, I so and I texted you being a little salty because of the most recent episode. The most recent episode's called um, "Dangerous Debt," and uh, the description is like Ahsoka, Trace, and Rafa try to escape from the Pikes. It doesn't go too well. Um, uh, and straight from StarWars.com, 
<clears throat> this episode finds Ahsoka and the Martez si- sisters captured by the Pike Syndicate for failing to deliver a spice shipment. Trying to pull over one of the gangsters certainly doesn't help uh, th- matters. And um, and their attempts to get away are met with very mixed results. Meanwhile, Ahsoka and the streetwise cynical Rafa have come to learn about uh, have come to learn much about each other. A sobering experience for all involved. Danger Stet is a surprisingly tense and emotional episode. Um, so I don't like Rafa. <laughs> I like the dynamic of the sisters and sort of seeing what the everyman's perspective of the Jedi Order is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. but. What the episode does is it is it blames the Jedi for um, overtly it blames the um, Jedi for a sin of commission, not a sin of omission. That's a really fancy way of saying it's like Rafa blames the Jedi for causing chaos and harm when they're going about on their missions to take down smugglers and stuff like that. She uses an example of the hunt for zero where. Um, you know, they, there's a lot of collateral damage. Right. And I, I think, and, and to me, that's, I think it doesn't get the fail that does not get the magnitude of the Jedi's failure. The magnitude of the Jedi's failure right now is getting sucked into the clone wars and thus forsaking their charge to be the guardians of peace and justice because they, when they become generals, they're no longer guardians. And that's something I think that's very clear in the prequels. And I think this kind of, discredits that really important element of the star Wars prequels that talks about the importance of being a peacekeeper and being a peacekeeper means willing to fight, fight, fight for justice and peace. Yeah. But I mean, this is the, you know, in universe it's, it's different. I mean, everybody's gotten things fed to them through a filter. I I don't know what people know about Jedi. Yeah. It's like they're watching it, what, on news reports or based on Rafa's experience of what she saw. Yeah. She's going to have a bit different perspective. And I, that's why I enjoy – I mean, I'm not a big fan of her character. She's my least favorite of the three. It's not that I don't like her, but she is very jaded. But you can understand why because her perspective is different than ours. I mean, she's living there just having her life with her parents, and then all of a sudden there's Jedi – and something crashes into their home because the parents and the Jedi go off and, you know, don't do anything for her. And it's like, yeah. you know, she doesn't know that much about Jedi. She doesn't know them like we do. Yeah. Well, and she's obviously very naive with the trouble that she gets in with the Pikes. And I, and I like how Ahsoka's the sort of level-headed sane one now, which I it's kind of cool to see her maturity and experience speaking because that's not how she entered the series. But it's another example of how she's grown as a character because, you know, turns out like doing a drug deal for a crime syndicate is going to get you and your sister killed. And like Ahsoka knows this, but it's, it's a very real, and maybe this is part of the storytelling. Maybe her, uh, sort of grating naivete, uh, and, and just total lack of understanding for what she's getting her and her sister into, um, an unwillingness to recognize it, even when it's putting them in danger. That's where I think it really, I think it's really a problem for for Rafa, and and here's my hope that there's a there's a moment of clarity, a lesson learned, um, where she realizes the consequences of her actions, and then in fact she is endangering her sister and her friends every bit as much as the Jedi ever have, 
through her own selfishness. And I, here's the thing, Bruce, I don't know that I have the confidence and maybe I, I hope I'm proved wrong, but I, I, I'm not sure that we're going to get that moment just the way the episodes are playing out. Mm. But I shouldn't, I shouldn't prejudge, I guess. Well, here, here's the thing. By the time this podcast goes out, we'll already know the answer to that. Oh, that's true. It, it's, uh, <laughs> this will go out like this goes, comes out literally the same morning as the final. So we'll literally, guys, as you're listening to this, you probably just watched or about to watch the final episode. So uh, we will see as it comes to that. Um, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play out, but you know, it, it's as you're talking where you're saying about you know her opinion of the Jedi, and it makes me just think back to the Last Jedi and how Luke was portrayed. Mm. I think this is a problem that when you have a franchise like this and you're expanding it with more and more stories, you know, everyone wants to create a different narrative mm. and different creative directive so if you always portray the jedi as being so awesome and pure and the good guys it gets bland for the creators i mean george even kind of set up in the prequel trilogy that the jedi aren't perfect and you know they have their issues you know and i think that even rubbed people the wrong way but when you're asking for more and more stories you can't just keep telling the same thing. You can't portray things the exact same way all the time. So I like that we're getting different perspectives like this. Again, it changes the way I look at things in Star Wars. These episodes make, yeah, from a civilian point of view, mm. what 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 do you think of the Jedi? Yeah. Maybe I mean, we've seen other episodes of Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever where people don't like the Jedi. Yeah, that's true. Um, and and I think it'll be really interesting. I really do hope we get that moment in the in the final episode. We. We shall see. Uh, Bruce, let's hit up a quick Boba's Bounty. It was a lot to me. As you wish. That's right. Uh, Boba's Bounty, we are talking about what we've watched, listened to. That's basically what we've been doing this whole show. This whole show has been kind of a Boba's Bounty. I love it. Um, yes. <laughs> we're count- catching up. But uh, Bruce, hit me with uh, something Star Wars that you've been up to, oh, in the last couple weeks. Okay. Well, so I, like I mentioned, I watch every new episode of the Clone Wars Friday mornings on the treadmill. Since I've been working from home and I don't have to commute and I, I have more time to work out. So every morning I do a half hour on the treadmill mm-hmm. and Friday mornings, it's the Clone Wars. Saturdays through Thursdays, it's Star Wars Resistance because oh. I never got past the first half of season one because mm. I didn't understand like what was going on. It was just... I never got past the first episode of season one. So. <laughs> well, it was just like I was watching them and I was... I mean, they were okay. I was just like, but what does this have to do with the Resistance? And even just ignore the title. I was just like, okay, they're on this like fueling station and they're, they're doing races and... Mm. Kaz is just getting himself in trouble on the station. I'm like, okay. And they seem very self-contained. And people kept telling me, like, well, the second half of season one, it gets better, it gets better. And I have to tell you, I'm now in, you know, into season two. And I'm really, really, I'm not saying loving it, but I'm really, really liking it. It's gotten better. Like, again, it's like if you watch the whole thing, it starts to make sense. It's like, okay, well, the first quarters just kind of setting up the environment and the characters and and you start to see what life is like on this fueling station but then all of a sudden the first order arrives and things start to change and then you just see it building and building from there so if you take it as a whole it plays really well that way 
So if you can get through the first half of season one, trust me, just keep going. So every morning I watch one. So that's what I've been doing. My my weeks have been filled with resistance. <laughs> mm, I like it. I like it. Nice, man. Um, yeah. Well, I, uh, of the many, many Star Wars-y things I've been doing in the past few weeks, because of, you know, Star Wars, I guess, being my uh, comfort food of sorts. Yes. <laughs> in uh, trying times. Um I watched the real fans of the saga reality show. Uh, Chris Macht is a uh, documentary filmmaker. He, he made the documentaries, the force among us and the force within us. I also watched those. And then the most recent project he did was a, um, essentially a sh- short series, six episode run of um, a TV reality show about star Wars fandom and star Wars fans uh, based on the format and style of real, real wives of blank. Uh, oh no way! I have to see this. You dude. So it, it's super corny, super corny, but I love it. I Wait, love where it. are you seeing this? So it is on Amazon Prime. Uh, so pull up your Prime and just type in uh, "Real Fans of the Saga," and you will find it. It is really well shot, well edited, every bit as corny as a Star Wars reality show following the format of another reality show is. But it chronicles, uh, you know, a bunch of dudes who are friends talking about their life in Star Wars uh, fandom. They have like, there's this, here's an, how do you do that drama as in that format, Bruce, you may ask. And I will describe to you one scene, which is the perfect example, which is they're hanging out and two friends who haven't talked to each other in a while had kind of a falling out. And the episode sort of sets up that there's a little bit of a falling out, a tension between this friendship. But they are staying at the same Airbnb at Celebration that the... uh, the reality TV cameras have been following. Yes. A reality TV show was shooting at Star celebration Anaheim. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. And, and in this ep and in this moment, it, it turns out they had sort of a disagreement about the 501st and their role in fandom. And one had had some real rough experiences with, um, them talking about, you know, super high standards and placing them over people and being judgmental and some rough experiences they had. But the way it was shot and edited is it really, it, it beefs up some of the drama and disagreement about how you express yourself creatively through Star Wars. And then listen, as a guy who expresses myself creatively through Star Wars, I loved it. Um, we got to get Chris mocked on. He was on the Wampa's Lair a few weeks ago. Um, and that's what prompted me uh, to listen to, to watch it is I, I'd seen the force among us. And if you haven't, the force among us um, and the force within us are both great documentaries too that kind of chronicle star Wars fandom and chronicle a specific era, the early celebrations, um, you know, uh, interviews and following the old force cast, um, some of the 501st right as they were starting sort of as, as online fandom first came together before the dark times before the mouse no uh, <laughs> but it <laughs> yeah, is I've that seen those the, pre, the ones you're talking about the pre-Disney era Star Wars which listen we are now five oh, those days we are now every bit of six years past that so you there's a good chance the majority of you listening to this podcast that's the that's the majority of what you think of as your Star Wars fandom on the internet or through the internet or through the podcasting community or through the Star Wars Twitter or what have you. you those were good days. Those were and it's a it's a moment in time and I found myself really reliving reliving those days and reigniting my passion 
for Star Wars. It, you can probably hear it in this episode. I'm very, I've been very pent up on all of my Star Wars-ness. But that, sir, is my recommendation. Real fans of the saga on Amazon Prime. I'm going to watch. Yes, sir. Mr. Bruce Gibson, that's going to wrap up this episode. Tell the good people where they can find you. Well, just real quick, I'm also reading the novelization to The Rise of Skywalker. I'm almost done with that. So. Oh, nice. I, I have am getting my Rise of Skywalker fix in. But you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me doing literary tracks about Star Trek books and comics, that podcast. And you can also find a new podcast. It's been out about two months now, maybe a month and a half, called Positively Trek. So yes. check that out. Do it. Subscribe, rate, and review if you're uh, a Trek nerd. Trekkie, uh, positively Trek. Um, hey, you can find me. I'm at, at the Riley guy, R-I-L-E-Y. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Instagram. Find me on TikTok. Not really. I'm not. I don't make TikToks, but I've, I've been. There's a lot of Star Wars TikToks actually. If you uh, if you bother that. to do that, uh, maybe who knows? Maybe I'll set one up. But um, you can also follow the show. It's just at Star Wars Report on Twitter. Uh, StarWarsReport.com is where you can find the show notes for this episode. And, uh, of course, links to everything we talked about, some of the, uh, you know, secrets of the Rise of uh, Skywalker Saga documentary and highlights from the, the Art of Book. Oh, which the, I didn't, we ran out of time, man. The, oh, yeah. We, we'll, uh, we'll have to, we'll bring next it back week. next week. Next week, we'll talk about the Art of Rise of Skywalker. Um, and there's a couple sections on it on some of the deleted subplots that might be fun to talk about. So we'll be back with that next week. But uh, until next time. I just want to say thank you so much for subscribing to the show, listening to the show, uh, making it part of your routine in these crazy, crazy times. Um, we plan to keep providing fun Star Wars conversation each and every week, even in the midst of all this madness. And a special shout out to everybody supporting the show at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you guys for continuing to help make the show happen financially, supporting us with all the hosting costs, equipment costs, um, that's how that's how we keep the show going, and it's how you can get some pretty sweet bonus content. So uh, check out some of the Rogue transmissions, uh, the pre-show we recorded today, and of course the upcoming continuing Clone Wars commentary series. That's all available there. Patreon.com/slash uh, Star Wars Report. Join for as little as a buck. Until next time, may the Force be with you, and remember, many Bothans died to bring you this podcast. That's all, folks. Sir, what a show! Good times. Enjoyed yes. it as always. I'll be in. I'll be in. T- I haven't figured out at all what what the schedule will be, but uh, I will be texting.